0: Nothing to do. Just plop down in the chair, listen to some tunes. Play myself some music. Listen. Welcome to a new interview with prolific music man, R. Stevie Moore. This is one very busy cat that has been at music for decades. He's known for his cassette club and being a dedicated musician, giving fans the best of his unique approach to not only music, but to living. Most recently, he's been busy promoting his newest album, Make It Be, with former Jellyfish member and power pop underground hero, Jason Faulkner. This album is five years in the making, and Stevie is about 65 five years in the making himself. So get hip to this new project and plan on seeing him at the 2017 South by Southwest Extravaganza in Austin, Texas. So get to know Stevie a little bit and dig this interview, my friends.
1: Man, hey, thank you for taking a minute out for me. It's really an honor to speak with you. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you for the interest. What a day this is. This is the the birth of my child.
1: (laughs) I love it. The,
2: the the album, it's five years in the making. A lot of people don't know that, and in some ways it doesn't even matter. It's interesting in my long career that a, a five-year-old project is a brand spanking new release. I've never had anything quite this big either as far as it's almost made for label, dare I say it, You know, which is kind of a curse, but but not really. I mean, bar none is great, long-time friends of mine. But it's just, yeah, I mean, the buzz is huge, and I just can't keep up with it you know, with the social media and, you know, the oversaturation of promotion. That's what it's all about. And yet, you you know, you can really turn people off with that. Advertisement, advertisement, spam, spam, you know. I have fun with it. And it kind of goes against my DIY underground thing, but it's also like fantastic because I'm looking for fame and fortune.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so it plays into it. I mean, the beauty of it is is that you're so prolific, Jason's so prolific, you guys are both kind of underground kings, so to speak, so why not come together as some wonder twin power and just come up with a marvelous creation, which is what this is, and promote the hell out of it? Yeah, thank you.
2: I'm trying to adjust as far as, you know, oversaturation or undersaturation, you know, and there's a lot of pressure, which causes lots of stress. And I mean, it's, and it's a long personal story about this too. I've been having some severe health issues come up just as my career starts taking off. I had to quit touring. I was on, I was doing global tours for four, three or four years, and just had to stop. I have some some bad arthritis and i you know semi-disabled almost, you know. And yet my head's in it, and I'm still the teenage rock rocker. So I mean, it's just like I can't. I gotta go to the end, you know. Carry me to my grave, kind of thing. It's just strange, and like, I, like I said, um, and even and even the Jason thing is interesting because he's been working his tail off for decades, lots of frustration, you know, and you know, and he's got a nice cushy thing, you know, working with Beck, and he's you know he's used to that kind of thing and McCartney and all the things, but he's still down to earth with me, you know, and he's loving all this attention because it's a different kind of attention. It's not like power pops. Stuff, you know, in fact, a lot of his uh, die-hard fans are, are going to like be scratching their head at this record because it is kind of weird and left <laughs> field and all that. You know,
1: that's his gig, though. I mean, with Daniel Johnston, he did kind of that, the same that, kind. That, that, exactly. You know, yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's the beauty of Jason is that really, at the end of the day, what I see you guys doing and what I see him doing is he's merging the worlds of like that old jellyfish solo stuff that he did with pure art. It's almost kind of like Bukowski meets the Beatles, so to speak. There's a real, yeah. you know, there's a real melding of art that's coming in here. And I think there's something beautiful about that. I think that's why when I heard this album for the first time, I thought, wow, this is a departure from what I'm used to. But going with who you are and what your vibe is and his vibe, it's the more you listen to it, the more it just makes sense. It's like a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It just tastes better each time you, you bite into it.
2: Yeah, very cool. I appreciate that.
1: So, what I want to do first of all, before we start anything off here, I want to I want to ask you this: Why the hell has David Letterman ripped off your your style and your look? <laughs> no comment. <laughs>
2: beards, beard, beard, rock. I'm mean, I'm so sick of hearing about. It. I mean, I'm constantly calling, "Hey, Santa Claus, Merry Christmas!" You know, like stop it. You know, Aristotle and Plato had beards. You know yeah and z and GZ out don't don't call me that either we're we gotcha. are mountain men, whatever you know is, it, is facial hair all that important i mean yeah. even jason even Jason has his own little cool style yeah. you know he he doesn't shave, but it's like what is that you know it's it's a little peach fuzz kind of thing, whatever
1: who cares you know yeah I'm interested into how you and Jason hooked up and the beginnings leading up to this album
2: nothing really remarkable. We were a mutual admiration society i was a I was a huge jellyfish fan you know i I go way back with, naturally with my, i'm sixty five years old, so I've been like following closely all kinds of music, power pop, whatever you know music historian, record collector, until I'm blue in the face. so it's like uh you know it, it was natural that jellyfish was was very cool. Um, and the grades was even cooler, you know, um, and I don't find myself listening to Jellyfish like I kind of wish I did, I don't know why, if it's Andy's voice, or whatever, I mean, I was inundated with it when the MTV stuff was happening, and I loved it to death, you know, and I was a big collector, and then it kind of just fell apart, and I'm not sure how I feel about spilt milk, I know it's 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 a masterpiece, you know, and it's totally bombastic, and it's you know, grand grandiosity. But it was, I think the story goes is that another strange irony: uh, Tim Burgess of the Charlatans is the guy that turned Jason Faulkner onto my music long before I got close with Tim. Because Tim reached out to me later on in the past, like four or five years, being in Britain. But I mean, he he was in L.A. for a while, and I guess was close with Jason. So Jason. Turned him onto one of my records, and that was kind of what. So me and Jason were in, in touch uh, through the mails, and we we're trading, you know, fanboy packages. He was sending me rare, handwritten stuff. I couldn't believe my luck. You know, it was great. And of course, I was sending him my records, you know, and CDs. This is in the 2000s. It didn't go much farther than that. I didn't have any plans. I was the, you know, I've long been the, the, the hermit, the, the bedroom radio, bedroom recording. Guy, never hardly performed at all over the years. I guess you know maybe my story, I'm born and raised in Nashville, but I split for New Jersey for 33 years in 78 up until 2010. And hardly performed then even. I was 12 miles from the Lincoln Tunnel, but I I just wasn't big on performing. I had no band. I did some solo things. They were kind of fun, but late 90s. And then when I then I moved back to uh, to Nashville in 2010, and all of a sudden, fr- a friend in New York, a young film student, was trying to start a, a documentary on me before I before I moved back here. And then suddenly, he had some friends in Brooklyn that he, were flipping out at my music, and they put a band a backing band together for me, and asked me if I'd like to be on to go on tour. And I said, "You got to be nuts, you know." I don't tour. I don't know how to do that. I can't afford to. Blah blah blah. Anyway, we did it, and then suddenly, in the next four years, I like was global. I was doing tours around the world at festivals, you know, and all kinds of crap. Uh, I finally got two booking agents. Anyway, all of that kind of came to a grinding halt in 2014, to where I just couldn't deal with the one the one nighters anymore. It was just too too much of a burden even though I was, like, starting to take off. It was crazy that I had it really sad. I was loving doing shows, but I, all the rest of it was just killing me. Um, back to Jason, um, I was on the West Coast, and then the Aureole Pink comes into this very heavily because we've been long time hate traders and friends and all that. And him being in L.A., he knew Jason. Jason knew him. They were fans of each other. I guess audio had a lot to do with hyping Jason on me, because audio was just all over the moon about me, like, I, I'm his main guy since he was a young teenager and stuff, you know, the whole independent thing, DIY thing, and lo-fi, which I can't stand that that terminology, because what does fidelity have to do with, you know, quality art, you know, yeah, audio art, um, I'm constantly arguing about that and making, like, silly jokes about, well, hey, I'm, I'm no-fi, or I'm 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 not Lo-Fi. I'm Lo-If. I-F. Or I'm Mo-Fi. Or I'm DIY-Fi. And after a while, like I forget it all, the whole Fi thing. So I was out in L.A. doing a, a short West Coast tour and met Jason finally in front of Amoeba Records, and we did some sessions with Ariel. Jason said, "We got to do a record together," meaning just the two of us, you know. It took a whole year to get that together. But I flew out there for two weeks in 2012, and that's when we did Make It Be. And then we didn't know what to do with it, and I went nuts, you know, putting it online, even though I was advised not to. We were shopping for labels. We weren't shopping for labels. We couldn't figure out what to do. He was too busy. I thought he had some good connections through his past uh, friends. We were, like, trying to get the right label. We didn't want to just give it to some stupid, you know, Teenage indie who would sell it out of the trunk of their car, obviously. So, and I kept putting it on bandcamp and then taking it down, and then I was even selling it for outrageous high amount just for download, you know. And up and down, up and down, and then uh, you know, many months would pass, and it looked like we're, 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 this album's going to go nowhere, you know. And the bar people are old, to- old, longtime friends of mine through WFMU and and North Jersey, where where I live, Glen And, and. Uh, they, they came through, and it's out today. I'm just—I can't believe how excited I am.
1: So, talk to me about South by Southwest. How excited are you about going out there and really getting well?
2: Well, done? mixed feelings. I'm extremely excited. I'm ecstatic, but I'm also like dreading the the work. I'm almost wheelchair bound, if, if you want to know the truth, and that's that's no fun. But I can still rock out. I mean, I'm still there, and I'm going—you know—I'm going to go through it all. I played South by in twenty twelve. There's that year again, twenty twelve, uh, and that was like crazy, not very satisfying because it's just a you know it's a, it's a jungle, too many bands and too many clubs all at the same time. Drunk people in the morning, drunk people in the afternoon. I don't know. It's not quite the what it's piped up to be, but anyway, I, it, for this record, it's so exciting. And that, it, that's been kind of nerve-wracking, too, because, again, me and Jason were not prepared to put a band together. And what do you know, but, you know, a label-mate band, a bar none, the U.K. Slacker Trio called Happiness is more than happy to, no pun intended, more than happy to, <laughs> to back us. And he's out, they're out there right now with Jason in L.A. rehearsing. I'm very relieved at that. And everybody's, you know, because I kept thinking, man, we're going to be so sloppy, you you can't really do something like this without some kind of good rehearsal time, and we just don't have it. I've been through that before, and Jason's a a trooper as far as making sure that, you know, we're not going to make fools of ourselves, although there's something fun to be said about, you know, not taking it so seriously. And if we're sloppy, that's fun, you know, and the audience is going to be, God, God, just looking up and look at that, R. Stevie Moore and Jason Fulton. I can't believe it, you know. So we had nothing to prove, in other words. We're not going to be on Jimmy Fallon or anything, but but I'm I'm excited. I'm 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 excited by South by, but you know it's going to zip right by and 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 suddenly blink, and then I'll be back home. It'll be all over. It it ought to be fun, and it's going to be a minimal set. It's not going to be like a a long thing. Where first it was going to be kind of try. We're going to try to make it weird and wild with a lot of my you know rant spoken word stuff and some experimentation.
1: What I really wanted to do is get a good preview of this album, get a good preview of South by Southwest, and I just want to ask one final personal, just a question about who you are. Everyone has a perception of who you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but who do you think you are at the end of the day?
2: Well, it all comes back to, I'm, you know, there's lots of different things on my resume, but I'd say the top one is diversity and fiercely independent, defiant, you know. um, I've never played by the rules. And people worship me because I've kind of always been that DIY thing. Didn't want to get sucked up into the you know, into the mainstream. How could I? You know, and, and I had chances. I never really had a contract to sign, which could've have, could have been suicide, but uh and another part of me is you know, yes, I'm I'm known to be prolific, but I don't do any of that stuff anymore. I really don't record much. I don't write pop rock anymore. It's more or less sound painting and experimentation. And I've always done that too, as well, and that's why the, the, the discography is so massive. That's who I am. I mean, I'm 65, so life life is not as fun as it used to be. A lot of pain and a lot of uh, insanity, uh, and kind of just. And thankfully, I, I, I my aesthetic is what's carrying me through. Yeah, people say, "Do you? What do you do every day? Record?" And it's like, "Well, no, not probably in five or ten years, really." I dabble in it every once in a while, and I'm sadly, I'm, I miss it, you know, I, but I did so much. Thankfully, I have such a big back catalog, that, and people don't know when a certain song is, is recorded, so why even deal with that labeling? That's like what I just said about Make It Be. Make It Be is five years old, but if people haven't heard it, you know, it's not five, and five years is a long time when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. But anyway, Absolutely. again, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm proud of the diversity. That's always been a thing against me. Because everybody has such tunnel vision in the arts and entertainment, and my tapes have always been like freeform radio shows. I like yeah. every style. I don't rank anything. I hate this this new thing. It's just like taking over where everybody has to rate and rank top ten lists. You know, here's my favorite. Well, there's no such thing as favorite because I like it all equally. Yeah. You know, whether sure. it's what music what music I listen to or what food I like to eat. It's always moving, always moving yep. around. So And so my music, again, it's, it's very eclectic. I'm very proud of the eclecticism, and I don't care. People have difficulty with, you know, country and spoken word, you know, and industrial and frog and psychedelic and folk. And I just, I love it. I love doing all of that because that's what I love to listen to. And it's like I book. said, that sort, of, that, that sort of worked against me because people are just not prepared for that, you know. And there's not a lot of artists even that really... Lean in that direction. And one more thing there's a, a great film documentary under construction right now. There's been, there've already been three or four of them, and some of them were finished and some of them failed and were abandoned. Of course, they're all on YouTube, which, I mean, you know, I have hundreds and hundreds of YouTube, just like I have hundreds and hundreds of Bandcamp albums. I can't keep up. Yeah. Who's counting? Sure. Yeah. But, but the, the documentary is going to be very cool. I'm not sure when, end of the year, maybe next
1: year. I'll keep in touch with news. Sounds great, Stevie. Thanks again. Good luck. Fantastic. Southwest with seven. Thank you very much. Okay. Great, man. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in New York, Kansas City, Nashville, and spots all over the globe giving fans quality music. And thanks to our Stevie Moore for his time, his stories, and all of that eternal cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Or you can visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything music and jazz, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends.